Baptist for Children's Church. And uh, if you had a mama that prayed, you ought to praise the Lord every day for that. And uh, if you have your mama uh, you, and she's not here, you ought to give her a call and wish her a happy Mother's Day. And uh, I know that'll mean a lot to, uh, a lot to her. We're going to take a, take a recess here because if I don't pick this up, this is all I'll concentrate on the entire sermon. 2 Kings chapter 20 this morning, 2 Kings chapter 20, and really I, I want to I read a verse. Um, I'm going I'm to give, give you the context of this verse, uh, but we're not going to preach the actual story. I was reading, reading this. This is the story of Hezekiah. You remember Hezekiah um, was, was dying and um, was told to get his, his uh, affairs in order. And, uh, and he prayed and asked God for um, more time. God gave him, uh, granted him his prayer and uh, gave him more time. And, um, and God blessed him that way. And then here in 2 Kings chapter 20, uh, the the king of uh, of Babylon, um, with a, a, a three thousand dollar name, um, wants to see Hezekiah and his dominion, if you will, his kingdom, and um, he goes and sends a, you know, you didn't you didn't just FaceTime somebody back then, or you didn't you know you just didn't pick up the telephone, and so. He sent a, a, a regiment of people and, uh, to see Hezekiah, and Hezekiah shows him or shows them his wealth. He shows them his house. We know from Second Chronicles that he does this in a prideful way. He repents of that pride and God doesn't punish him. However, the people uh, would, will eventually go into bondage, and Isaiah is sent to Hezekiah to tell Hezekiah about this future event that's going to happen. So that's 2 Kings chapter 20. It has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about, okay? But I felt like to be true to the text, we really got to make sure that we know what this is talking about. But I want you to notice something in verse 15. This struck me as I was reading this story, as I was reading this passage of Scripture, this verse just absolutely jumped out at me. Uh, and really, as a family, it could be used as, uh, for mothers, it could be used for fathers, uh, uh, but I, I, find it, I found it fascinating. So we're at the event where this, this delegate comes and sees... Uh, uh, Hezekiah and sees Hezekiah's household, if you will. He sees Hezekiah's kingdom, sees Hezekiah's riches. In verse 15, and he, and he said, what have they seen in thine house? So it, it happened, and now Isaiah is confronting Hezekiah and telling Hezekiah, okay, you've shown off. If you go over to 2 Chronicles, uh, matter of fact, at the end of this, uh, 
The Bible says that more is said about Hezekiah in the Chronicles. And so uh, uh, Isaiah confronts Hezekiah and says to Hezekiah, okay, what have you shown them? What have they seen? What have they witnessed that is in your house? And Hezekiah answered, all the things that are in my house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. And and by the way, Hezekiah happens to be uh, just like we are. And so often what we'll do, if uh, just uh, for... uh, for way of illustration, what we'll do is if we invite somebody over and we're going to have a cookout or we're going to have a, a dinner and uh, several people are going to come over, what do we do? Well, let me tell you something. If our house is clean, we clean house. I mean, we put things away. I mean, we get out the nice china. I mean, we put things out that haven't, but we have to dust the things that we put out because we haven't put them out in so long. And, and so we get our house nice and pretty. We make sure the bathroom is clean. Important, right? And the, and the rooms that aren't clean get closed, and then there's a sign on there, off limits, right? You don't, you don't let them go into that room. So you're not going to show them around uh, if you don't have all the rooms clean. And if you're really, really pressed for time, you open that door and you just shovel everything into that room. Shut the door. No, don't act pious. I know we've all done it a time or two, okay? And so we get it all out of there. Why? So when they come through the door, they say, ooh. Ah, that's so pretty. Oh, I love this and I love that. And what are we doing? Really, what we're doing is we're showing off our treasures. Now, not necessarily talking about what Hezekiah had, obviously. I mean, uh, in Second Chronicles, it talks about his, uh, his gold and his, uh, his diamonds and his uh, root. I'm, t- I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about we, show, we tend to show off our stuff. Something's broken, we put it away, and we, we, put out, we put out new things. And we want people to see that we have nice things. Is it wrong to have nice things? No. There's nowhere in Scripture where it says it's, it's wrong to have nice things. As a matter of fact, there's nowhere in Scripture where it says that it's wrong to have a lot of nice things. But if that is your only treasure then you're in trouble. If that's all you got is nice things, nice uh, uh, pictures on the wall and nice uh, 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 furniture and nice things that for people to see, guess what? One day, it's going to break down. You ever bought furniture? You ever bought furniture lately? Oh, my goodness. You're talking about expensive? Let me tell you, when we buy furniture, if it's new, it comes from the clearance section. Usually it's not new. Usually we get it off of somebody that we knew or it's passed down. It's new to 
You. You heard that one, right? New to you. And so we've got it. But let me tell you something. We bought one time a couch. It's in our living room currently. And uh, it was in the clearance section at Haverty's. You ever shop at Haverty's? Place is expensive. But they got nice furniture. Well, they got a clearance section at Haverty's down in Savannah. And so we got this couch, and it's a, a leather couch, and it's, uh, it's one of those on each end, uh, the, um, uh, the seat goes up. It reclines, and it's all electric. Nice. I mean, for us, it was a fortune. But, you know, compared to the one out on the floor, very cheap. We bought that thing, and, man, we just loved it. It had just a little ding on the back of it. That really really don't care. Why? I have three children and a cat. Didn't care about the dang. Let me tell you something. You go into my living room now, you'll see that couch. The leather's starting to wear. It's got even more dings. The stupid cat that we should have had declawed years ago has decided to claw it up a little bit. And now we've got this wore out couch that sits in our living room. Guess what happens? Things wear out. Nice things. I mean, you can pay. You bought a car lately? They tend to be a little expensive too. You bought a truck lately? Oh my goodness, they tend to be expensive. But guess what happens to them? They begin to wear down. Why? Because things don't last forever. You have to replace them. If you don't replace them, then you got this, uh, this old, eventually old, broke down uh, material thing that you had that's not going to be there forever. And one day, matter of fact, you might wear out before it wears out. And guess what? When you wear out and you leave here, you don't get to take your couch with you. Or your car, or your gun, or your whatever, the thing that you love, that thing that you hold on to, that thing that nobody else can touch. Do you have any of those things? I've got them. I promise you I have them. I got books that I'm glad for you to take home and read and bring back to me. I've got got other books that I'm glad for you to look at in my office. I got some books I'll show you from a distance. Here it is. It's pretty. And I promise you, if you touch it and it falls apart, I'm going to be upset because you can't find it again. Those are precious to me. I love those books. We laugh. But I remember when we were building this building. Remember these bathrooms when we built these bathrooms? Well, we got a lot of the, uh, the course, outside done. And the guy was digging a ditch and he hit the gas line. The gas line was marked wrong. The plumber hit it. And man... They told him what to do. Well, that was a stupid thing to tell him what to do. And, and all of a sudden, fire went up the side of the building. And Forrest said, what are we going to, what if the fire, what if it spreads? I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now. He said, what, what are you going to save? You can't save them all. He's talking about my books, of course. We talk, to, we talk about them like they're people. And I said, listen to me. I said, I've got a list, folks. I know right where they are. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm that kind of, I'm that guy. I'll go in there. I know exactly where every book that I need to, I have to save those books. If we have to risk our lives, they're going to save those books. Why? Because they're important to me. But guess what? I don't get to take any of them with me. 
It's because there's going to be a library of old books in heaven. I know it's going to be there. But I'm telling you, we can't take those material things with us. And I think that's what Isaiah was trying to let Hezekiah know. You have all these riches, but guess what? You're going to lose them all. Now, Hezekiah, being the man of God, uh, God was going to bless him, and he was going to die before that actually happened. But Manasseh, who took over for his father, the Bible says that Manasseh did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And when you do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord, there's always consequences to it. And Isaiah was prophesying. He was telling Isaiah, listen, one day all these things are going to be gone. The question is, are you a man? This morning, obviously, is Mother's Day. The question is, are you a mother? Are you a woman of substance? Are you a person of substance? Or are we just shallow people? Because that's what prideful people are. That's what people that can just think about uh, their appearance. And and I'm not talking about their appearance uh, by what they look like, but their appearance uh, as uh, what they look like to other people. We're so worried about what other people think of us, and we spend so little time worrying about what God thinks of us. You see, what other people think of us fades. It goes away. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter. Some people will look at you and think you're the best thing since sliced bread. Another person will look at you and not like you at all. For some people, that's difficult. For some of us, not so much. I'm not here in this world to make you like me. That's not what I'm here for. And you're not here to make me like you. Now, should we love one another? I Obviously, I believe we should. One of the reasons, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 is there, of course, talking about spiritual gifts and, and how we should, but here it is, how we should treat each other. But we're not going to treat each other right if we're shallow and have no substance. So your house looks good. Your things look good. Your person looks good. But how's your inner man? How's your inner woman? Are we perishing day by day? Because one day, this this body, this vessel that we live in is going to be wore down and gone. And this old body is going to go back to the earth and and we are going to go, if we're saved and know Christ is our Savior, we're going to go to meet God and be with Him forever and forever. And the short little time that we were here, whether that short time is literally a short time or it's a hundred years. In light of eternity, that's a short time. And when we get to heaven, I promise you, you know, we have this idea that, that, um, you know, the Bible says in my father's house there are many mansions. So we have this assumption that we're getting mansions when we get to heaven. Well, let me squash your assumption. The Bible does not say you're getting a mansion. 
I'm not going to argue with you. If you think you're getting a mansion, great. Praise the Lord. I hope I get one too. I'm just telling you, the Bible does not say you're getting one. It just says that there are mansions in heaven. And when we get to heaven, if we do have a mansion. Anybody have a mantle in their house? Nobody? Okay, thank you. That means, that means to raise your hand if you have one. That, that's what that means. So we have a mantle in our house. You go into our living room or right over a fireplace, there's a mantle. And uh, on that mantle always goes the nice stuff, right? I mean, that's all where the decoration goes. I do zero decorating in my household, okay? But uh, all the decoration goes up there, and it's all. So it's the focal point when you walk in. Sometimes people have a mantle. Put a 65-inch TV over top of it, right? Why? That's the focal point of, of the house. And so, uh, so you got these decorations. When you get to heaven, you're not going to have crowns and awards that you're hanging on your wall and that you're putting on your mantle. I want you to know if you're getting an award, if you're getting rewarded, they're going back at the feet of Jesus. They're not hanging on your wall. You're not going to be trounced around heaven with a crown on your head saying, look what I did. It's not going to be about you. It's not going to be about me. It's all going to be focused on Jesus Christ. By the way, where the focus should be now. Not just there, but now the focus should be on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to be a matter of walking down the streets of gold and saying, my goodness, his mansion is nice. We went to Florida for a few days and there's a we came back or me and Kyle came back early and uh, Wendy and, and mom stayed down there for Mother's Day with the girls and and uh, we went to this we had a golf cart and we went to this place it's, it's Port Royal it's called it's where the other half live and uh, we we drove there we didn't stay there um, but uh, we we drove onto this place and Looking, I mean, going by these absolutely enormous, gorgeous houses sitting right on the water. And we'd go by and we'd be like, oh, man, look at the door on that. That is just gorgeous. Oh, I love the roof of that. Oh, that one's okay. It's probably only three or four million. And this one, oh, look at this one. It's just, I mean, I love their yard. And we're going by and looking at all these things going, oh, my goodness, this place is absolutely gorgeous. Porsches and, and BMWs and that's what's sitting in the in the in the um, in the driveways and I'm just just an absolutely gorgeous place. Can I tell you when you get to heaven, you're not going to be walking down the streets of gold going, man, I wish I had that mansion. My daughter Anna, she says, man, I like the stairway stairwell and that, but I don't really like the house. I said, Anna, if somebody gave you that house, you'd be thrilled, child. She said, I, yeah, I know, Dad, but, but if, if my husband was going to, I said, oh, baby, I got, it's great to have goals, but take it, you know, take it back a couple notches, sweetheart. Uh, I mean, these are, these are double-digit million-dollar houses. I mean, they're just absolutely gorgeous. We're not going to be doing that in heaven. Why? Because uh, the focus in heaven is not going to be things. The focus in heaven is going to be Christ. The focus on this earth ought not be things. The focus on this earth ought to be Christ. Again, not wrong to have nice things. Not wrong to have nice vehicles. Those things are not wrong. Matter of fact, they are blessings from God. And we ought to treat them as blessings from God. 
but they should not define us. It's not who we are. We're not who we are because of where we live. We're not who we are because of uh, the things that we own or our net worth. That's not who we are. And I believe that's what Isaiah was telling Hezekiah and and in turn, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, telling us that we need to be men and women of substance. Don't be shallow. Be a man. Be a woman of substance. Who you are. What you are. Why you are who you are. What have they seen in thine house? Isn't that an interesting statement? What have they seen in thy house? Now, they may never have come into your house physically. But they see you. They see your life. They see you at work. They see you in the grocery store. I want you to know, people know people. And when you get a town like Rinkin, Georgia, or Springfield, or Clio, or any of these smaller towns, let me tell you something, everybody knows who you are. I was in somewhere, I can't remember where I was the other day, and, and um, just before we left on vacation, and we were in somewhere, and, and the lady one of the waitresses said, uh, we were sitting down as a, a family, and the lady, the lady says, you want your, and Wendy was there, and, and, and the kids, and she said, do you want your usual? And I was like, <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm going to start talking about something else, and, and she said, because my usual is what I'm not supposed to be eating, right? And so I only do that when Wendy's not around. And so listen, woman, you're about to get me in trouble, Okay. So everybody knows where, and before you go back and tell Wendy, it's being recorded, so she knows all about it anyways. But uh, she, people know you, don't they? You go into a store, people know who you are, or they know about you. And when we are walking around, it's not just your household, but it's you. Your testimony is who you are. Mother's Day is a day that we set aside to honor our moms everywhere. And the question this morning that we each have to ask ourselves, whether we're a mom or not, whether we're a dad or not, what kind of person of you, what kind of substance do you have in your life? What kind of man, what kind of woman, what kind of mom, what kind of dad are you not only in public, but behind closed doors? So so I can go to the grocery store and see you in public, right? You can go to the grocery store and see me in public. But God sees when you shut the door. God sees you when nobody else is around. God knows what kind of person you are deep down inside. Why? Because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God sees the heart. God sees the real you. We have a tendency as human beings to to be good actors and good actresses. I mean, we have this tendency to be able to put on a, a good act or a good show. We come through the door and we're miserable. We've had a bad day. We've had a bad 
week, a bad month, maybe even a bad year. And we walk through the church door and, 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 and we've got a scowl on our face and we come through the front door and boom, there goes the smile. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, liar. No, you're not. You've had a bad day. You know, I don't want to dump all my stuff out on somebody else. And, that's, and that, I understand that. I understand that. But we walk around like everything is put together. Have you ever done this before? Have you ever looked at somebody and said, man, I wish my life was put together like hers is. I wish my life was put together like his is. And truth be told, it probably isn't. Matter of fact, truth be told, your life's probably better off than theirs is. Because I want you to know something about people in general. Everybody has problems. Everybody goes through issues. Everybody faces temptation and sin. Every one of us fail and falter. So though we might look at somebody and think that their life is all together, I'm telling you, all of us have issues and all of us have problems. Every single person, every single mother ought to be this kind of mother. Number one, they ought to be a believing mother. They ought to be a believing mother. I said it a, a minute ago after four sang that song. Uh, if, you have a, if you have a mama that prayed for you, you're blessed. Amen, you're, you're blessed abundantly. If you've, got a, if you've got a mama that has spent some time, some quality time, praying for your needs and praying for uh, your safety while, while you grew up, and matter of fact, if, if she's a praying mom and she's still uh, 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 with us, uh, then she's probably still praying for you. And praise the Lord for that. You ought to thank the Lord every single day for a praying mother, every single day for a believing mother. Think about a great leader in history, and you'll often find a believing mother. Dwight Lyman Moody said this, All that I have ever accomplished in life, I owe to my own mother. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, I cannot tell how much I owe to the solemn words and prayers of my Christian mother. Abraham Lincoln said this, All that I am or hope to ever be, I owe to my angel mother. John Quincy Adams, the second Adams to be the president, father and son, said this, All that I am, my mother made me. The great French uh, leader, Napoleon Bonaparte, said this, Let France have good mothers, and she will have good sons. And over and over and over again. You can read about great leaders who have given uh, credit to a praying mother or believing mother. A London editor made a list of people who had taught Sir Winston Churchill and gave credit to, to making Churchill into who he was. Churchill found this list and protested it, saying this, You have omitted mention of the greatest of my teachers, my mother. General Douglas MacArthur said, It was my sainted mother who taught me a devotion to God 
and a love of country. And I'm telling you, the list goes on and on and on about a believing mother. If you uh, uh, here this morning have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's what it means to believe. I'm not talking this morning about a head knowledge. I'm talking this morning about a heart knowledge. Knowing Christ personally as your Savior, knowing that your sins are forgiven. Just think of the tools that lay at the feet of a believing mother. She has the tool, number one, of influence. Talk to your kids. Listen to me. Talk to your kids and your your grandkids. If you don't, I promise you, the devil will send somebody to talk to them. And it won't be the talk that you want to have. You see, our kids used to be a lot more innocent for a, for a lot longer. But today, I mean, you better have a talk sooner than later with your kids today. And I'm not just talking about the talk. I'm talking about just talking to them in general. And letting your kids know this is what we're, what's going on in our world today. And our kids need to know that. And why? Because a mama has influence. A grandmama has influence over her kids and grandkids. An old-fashioned Spanish proverb says this. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. Think about that. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. You see... Too often what ends up happening is we want everybody else to raise our kids. The Bible does not say for the church to raise the children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The Bible says mom and dad. Matter of fact, let me get more specific and I'll get even more specific when Father's Day comes. Matter of fact, it is told to the fathers to raise their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's our responsibility. It is what we are supposed to do. We don't send them off to school to be raised. We don't send them off to church to be raised. We don't send them off to children's church to be saved or to to be raised. We don't send them off to to the teen group. Well, that's stinking youth pastor. If you would have just done a better job with my kids, what? Do what? The youth pastor, this youth pastor, anyways, this associate pastor, he has kids that he's raising. Now, can they be influencers? Yes, and they should be. Should the pastor be an influence? Absolutely. Then it ought to be an influence for good, obviously. But I'm here to tell you, if that's the only good influence they're getting is a couple hours a week, they're in trouble. Guess what? We're in trouble. Our kids, let me tell you something, our kids spend more time playing video games and watching television and watching movies than anything spiritual. I'm talking about 90 plus percent of our adolescent uh, 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 time consuming uh, uh, days go to watching the television or playing video games. You know when we were growing up, I didn't have any of that junk. I remember the Atari. You had a joystick and a red button up in the left-hand corner. Remember that? 
love that Atari. And then we got the Nintendo. I mean, I'm not talking about the stuff we have today. But I'm here to tell you, we weren't on that. Ten seconds, my mother said, go outside. Go outside and play. No, you didn't have any toys to play outside. You had to make up your own toys. I mean, we'd go outside and, and, and rocks would be cars and we'd make all the... I mean, we just play out in the creek and... I mean, we did all these things we did when we were growing up. Actually had an imagination. Now they're murdering each other on, 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 uh, on video games. And if you think that doesn't have any influence over your children, you're wrong. Because it does. The, the things that we allow them to watch, let me tell you what it does. It ends up desensitizing our children. And it desensitizes our children to sin. You see, what God calls sin is sin regardless of what Hollywood calls it. If God says it's wrong, then it's wrong regardless of what anybody else says. We don't have to vote on it, church. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Use your influence that God has blessed you with for good when it comes to your kids and grandkids. When it comes to church kids, when it comes to others, use your influence for good and not for bad. G. Campbell Morgan. You ever heard of G. Campbell Morgan? He was a great preacher. I mean, great, great English preacher of yesteryear. He was one of four preachers in his family. At a family reunion, a friend asked him, uh, Morgan, he said, which Morgan is the greatest preacher? G. Campbell Morgan looked straight in his dad's eyes and said, Mother. Mother. She obviously wasn't a preacher, as in you get up in the pulpit. But let me tell you something. The influence she had in her family, four of her kids were preachers. A tool of influence. A tool of scripture. A tool of prayer. Listen, we need to use the tools God has blessed us with to be a help and a blessing to our kids. This idea. Now, is there different different forms of parenting? Absolutely. Some of y'all would think, and I know some of y'all think, I can't believe that you would do that. the The way I taught my kids to play games and sports is by beating them mercilessly. I'm here to tell you, we play Monopoly, I want everything. If you go around, you're going to land on something that I own and you're going to pay me. I'm, my job is to bankrupt you. I don't play to lose, I play to win. And I teach, taught my children this, this, and listen, they're all good. Any, any game we play, they're good at it. I mean, they're good at it. I, I taught my daughter how to pay, play ping pong, nobody at college can beat her, nobody. So what I do, went up there and visited her, and I beat her, crushed her. Just only gets better. So I know there's different kinds of parenting, right? But we have influence over our kids, over our grandkids, that we can be a help. We can be praying for them. We can be teaching them scripture. We have a we have a a, a hope chest. What is a hope chest? A hope chest is in hopes that our kids will get married and have ch- children. It's hope. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We got all these things in it. You know what we got? We got a lot of? We got a lot of really nice older 
scripture booklets. You know why? Because they're harder to find anymore. Have you read some of the new ones? They're shallow as a mud puddle. And I'm here to tell you some of them old ones, more, they've got some substance to them. They teach the scriptures to the children because I guarantee you if they bring their kids over to my house, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have influence over them in their life. By using scripture, by using a prayer. Well, they won't bring them over, but you know what? You can pray for them. They can't stop you from praying for them. You can use the influence that you have for the good. Why? Because a believer's life is different than an unbeliever's life. It is easy logic, right? Well, then why as a believer do we act like unbelievers? Why do we raise our kids up? Why do we train our kids up like the world trains their kids up? No, we need to get into the Bible, get into the Scripture, and have some influence on our children. Raise your children up in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. But you don't understand, preacher. I raised them up and I raised them right, and they went out into the world. Let me tell you something. That's their responsibility, not yours. What's your responsibility to have the influence that God gave you over their lives as God has given you that time and that influence? In my house, it's a rule. You live under my roof, it's my rules. I don't like those rules. You don't have to live under my house. Well, you wouldn't kick your kid out in the street. You want to bet? You don't follow my rules? You can find somewhere else to live. Now, not Emma. She's... She ain't quite there yet. But I'm talking about my older kids are still living at home. It's my house, my rules. Let me tell you something. When my family comes into town, they have different ways about them than I do. But guess what? My house, my rules. You come into my office, I got a sign hanging in my office. My office, my rules. That's the way it goes. And so you can have the influence. Don't, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Stand up for what's right so that it might make a difference in your kids and your grandkids and ultimately might make a difference in our world. Let me tell you something. Our world needs believers. It needs good young men and young women and young couples and young families that are going to stand up and say, listen, this is what's right. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. Because when you look into my house, you don't just see material things. You don't just see treasures. You see men and women of substance and men and women that love Jesus. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It starts there. It starts there. I'm not sure about it, preacher. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm, I'm not sure if I would die right now. I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning and right back down, and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to come to where you are. I wouldn't embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about my salvation, preacher. Please remember me in your, in your prayers. Is there one? Listen, if you're saved and you know Christ is your Savior, what are you doing with the influence that God has given you? Are you wasting it? Are you putting it off? Are you digging a hole and burying it? Are you a secret disciple? No, as believers, we need to stand up and be unashamed. 
not only in our homes, but in our workplace and in our schools and in our community. I am not, this is what Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Don't be ashamed to stand up. Don't be ashamed to have influence, to have a testimony that God can be proud of. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, to tools of influence, tools of scripture, tools of prayer. Are we using what God has given us to be a help and a blessing in this generation? If you need to come as the instruments play this morning, you come.